Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand marketing strategist, personal branding and business coach, and a branding photographer. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about personal branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was afraid to put myself out into the world as an entrepreneur. Was I really even an entrepreneur? Did I know enough? Was I enough? Have you asked yourself those questions too? For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, visions, and values. My goal is to help you build a strong foundation for a brand, business, and life success without the overwhelm and frustration of starting something new or changing directions. Through interviews with inspiring guests and solo episodes, I will help you navigate the world of entrepreneurship and all of the challenges that pop up along the journey. You'll find inspiration and guidance, be entertained and enlightened. So grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive in to a new episode. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I could not be more excited to bring you this episode. I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I'm kind of a fashion junkie. I love clothes and I love looking at, you know, models and clothing and all of those kind of things. I think it kind of pairs with my love for photography. But today I am interviewing two incredible women who are in their second phases and chose this second phase basically from a passion for making the world a better place and keeping the world a great place, however you want to look at it. But their focus is sustainability with fashion, home decor, housewares, and all different things. And they're working with vendors from all over the world who focus on different pillars of sustainability. It could be that their products are all organic. It could be that they are upcycling or recycling. And the conversation is fascinating. We talked about sustainability. We talked about relationships. We talked about branding. I think you're going to be really, really enlightened after you listen to the episode. So relax and enjoy my conversation with Dale and Katie. And I hope you learned something really, really fabulous. And If you do learn something really fabulous, please, please share the episode with your friends and family members who could use this information just as something to inspire them or educate them. Or, you know, maybe we can all come together to start a movement to really focus on purchasing products in a way that we're decluttering our own lives, but also help sustain our environment. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Dale and Katie, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank Thank you for having us. I am really excited to have you here. I love the fashion industry. I've always been mesmerized by it. And we have already had a discussion about how my niece is now an influencer. And it's just something that's kind of run in our family for many years. And 
you know, used to when I would shop, it was just finding that thing that fit or that thing that was on sale or whatever. And as I get older and as I learn more and more about our environment and our world and all of these things, sustainability has become something that I'm more interested in. And the places I'm buying my clothes from matters to me. Where are they made? How are they made? The materials used in those kind of things. But I haven't been diligent in it as I should be probably. So I can't wait to have you guys talk a little bit more about how you discovered this movement of sustainability and how you have literally changed your lives, your businesses and everything around trying to make this more of a movement for women to find those things that will not only, you know, make them look good, feel good, cook better, whatever, or, you know, decorate their home better, but also sustain our world. So I think Kudos to you for doing this and for taking that initiative. I really, I really think it's awesome. So, okay. I've rambled a little bit, but now I want you two to tell the listeners how you met. It's not often that I have two guests on at the same time. So this is pretty cool, but I want you to tell the listeners your story, like how you met and then where this passion and what ignited you to come together and start this business. Yep. So um, Katie and I were kind of thrown into Texas at the same exact time together into the same building. We moved here because of our respective partners' jobs. And when we met, we instantly became friends. I've got three boys. And I've got one little girl. Um, And so, (laughs) yeah, the kids were drawn to each other and then we were drawn to each other. So we had lots of play dates and... Lots of time together. And it was actually one morning over coffee that we started having a conversation about money spend. It was like right after the holidays. And we were talking about how sick we were of over consuming, you know, of buying things that wouldn't last and of buying things for our friends and family that we weren't that excited to give to them because we realized that we both had a passion for longevity of products and things that we wanted to hold on to and, you know, buying for the long haul and realized that we had both been trying to find that and couldn't find it anywhere. And that kind of was the first initial conversation we started having. I had told Katie that I was vegan and she was like, my brother's vegan. (laughs) So it was one of those kind of aha moments. And I was sort of, I was trying to get my brother something for his, for Christmas. I wanted it to have a vegan influence. So I was looking, making sure it was like vegan products. He has a beard. So I was looking for vegan. Like, anyway, it started this whole conversation about where you go about sort of buying these types of things and how hard, how many different websites you have to go to and how hard it is to find sustainable and ethical products. In one place. In one place. Mm -hmm. So this, that's what started the whole conversation, but that was about three years, three and a half years years ago. ago, Yeah. Yeah. So it took a while to kind of get to the point where we were, um, I think that we went in being like, we're just going to grab every single brand and we're just going to do this and we're just going to do that and we're going to bring it all together. It's going to be super fast. But what we ended up realizing was that the same way that fashion is a slow movement and that's what we were leaning into is the same way that we ended up kind of meeting and processing the relationships with our designers and the artisans and, and, you know, the whole ethical trade itself, you know, everything about it moves slowly. Yeah. And we had a lot to learn and we wanted to learn, you know, 
we've developed a lot over the last three years in terms of our understanding of what sustainability is because yeah. I think it covers so much. It's so broad. The um, term sustainability, and you actually said this before we started recording, you know, it's kind of become this like keyword, this like trend word, but it now covers such a huge range. You know, the gamut is like endless, you know, so it's kind of uncovering what all of those levels of sustainability mean and what they mean to people, different people, individuals, and then how it affects an overall community. I think that what ended up happening is that we started turning into a community rather than just a business that changed our trajectory, you know, and then COVID. (laughs) And then COVID. Yeah. Well, the good thing is you guys are online. So I think from what I have seen and heard, a lot of the online businesses have been able to sustain themselves and didn't have quite the effect as the storefronts and things like that. I have so many questions for you. Ah. Um, (laughs) I want to dive into not only your, like the structure of your business and your branding and how you built the foundation, because One thing I'm hearing you talk about is you took your time. You didn't rush in. So you established yourselves with a solid foundation. So you created your brand and now you are building upon that. But you took the time. And I think that's really important to point out because so many people jump into a business and people think that entrepreneurship is this easy road. You know, it's just, you start a business and, oh, it's glamorous and you only work when you want to work. But the reality is there are so many hours and so much time that you have to put into it. And if we don't build a solid foundation for our brand, then we can't have long-term success. So I really love that you did that. You didn't just open the doors and say, here we are, here's our logo, and this is what we're going to do. You really built your business on or your brand on what it means to be sustainable. And then from there, you have created relationships, which are going to help you build that no love and trust factor with your vendors, as well as with the people that are going to purchase from you. So I love all of that, that you did that. It's a great, great example of branding and building a successful foundation. So, okay. With that said, I want, because you guys did so much research on sustainability and what it actually means. So I want to dive into that a little bit. And then I also want to dive into how you found your vendors and I know they're from around the world and you have to have such an incredible understanding of, you know, trade across borders and so many different things. So let's talk first about sustainability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just broadly, <laughs> that's it. Just, we'll just yeah. talk about just, sustainability. Tell, okay. Well, tell me what you learned. Like, tell you know, yeah. you mentioned how, you know, there's so many different facets and we talked yeah. before about corporations have their sustainability teams coming in and they're focusing on decreasing the use of power, you know, being more conservative yeah. in that area, recycling, being more just eco-friendly. So that's yeah. one way, but then we have using recycled products to create new products and things like that. And when it comes to fashion, I don't even know, like, what are we using to create sustainable fashions? Fashion can also be about recycling and upcycling, which we have now, you know, I don't think it was even a market that we had even a little bit tapped into or thought about and then realized, you know, the importance of upcycling. That's like a whole other we can talk about that too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's so broad. Like, so when we started researching and deciding, because there are so many different elements and we wanted to represent them all on the site, you know, first off, we knew we wanted to have a vintage section and 
Dale happened to know an amazing vintage partner, James Bloria, that are based in New York. And so that was quite a nice, easy one. We were like, well, maybe they'll partner with us and they can be on our site. And then we've got our vintage element, which would be amazing. So that was kind of like... That tick. one was very... Yeah, that, that one, one was, was easy. Like, tick. That was a good one. Um, and then we were like, well, what, what, other, what other factors fall under sustainability? So then there was recycled product, as you say, recycled, using recycled materials. So we've got... Our, on our site, we've got the, our sustainability stamps. So we have nine stamps of sustainability. And I think that's how we decided after doing all of our research. And we're constantly, we were talking today how we want we want to tweak some of those stamps because I think, you know, things change and we learn more and, you know, there's more of an emphasis on different things. But at the time, we decided after our research that those nine stamps are what represented what we believe is sustainable what what creates a sustainable product and then each of our brands had to fall under at least two of those stamps because they're not going to necessarily fall under every single one but if they're fair trade and they're organic then we still consider them to be a a sustainable product yeah I mean I think that like one of the things that we've come to realize is that sustainability is doing the best you can to make as big of a difference as possible (laughs) yeah if everyone does little then it'll make a huge change Yeah. So I have to tell you when you're talking about like upcycling, I think what you mean is I listened to a podcast one time and they entered the woman, it was Kathy Heller. I don't know if you know her, but she interviewed a couple in LA and the woman was a model. And then she loved vintage clothing and her mother would sew a lot of her clothes for her. And so she learned how to sew. And so she started going to thrift stores and then she would alter the clothes Mm -hmm. as she wanted And so she ended up designing a whole dress line. And I think now they have other things besides dresses. They're in LA and I can't for the life of me think, but that's what you mean by upsailing, right? Like taking something and then we had a range of, we've done two of our own range of clothing, which we've upcycled. So we've had the athleisure wear line, which we went to thrift stores. We found leggings, jumpers, different things, and we tie dyed them all in different colors and sort of gave them new life. And that range sold yeah. really really well on the site yeah it was a uh, yeah we jumped on the tie-dye trends this past <laughs> summer and realized that you know there's already so much spandex in the world spandex doesn't break down so we decided that instead of doing that that we would find you know things that already existed in the universe and then take those athleisure products and upcycle them into something that could be wearable again so that they last in people's closets mm-hmm so you get to tap into your creative juices too. Like you're you're actually physically creating things in addition to working with other people around the world. Oh yeah, yes, we kind of fell into that as well. My sister-in-law is also a big vintage collector and loves that design. And we were together over the summer and she had found these vintage, I don't know if you'll remember them. My, my grandmother wore them. They were like these robes. They kind of like zip up the coats. front. They're from a company called Vanity Fair, which like yeah. was like in the 1800s. And they always had like leopard on them and like whatever. I remember like my grandmother used to like put her tissues up her like yes. with them. Yes. So she started uncovering this whole world of these gowns that were just kind of sitting, right? No one's wearing them. No one's using them. They, you know, and they would definitely end up in landfills because again, it's a fabric that doesn't really break down easily. So, and can't be recycled. It was a fabric that was made specifically for Vanity Fair at that time. And she upcycled them. She put trims on them. She did patches on the back and we renamed them column gowns. And we've done really, really well with them on the site. It's a perfect match of like amazing design and, you know, recycling, which is Mm -hmm. like great upcycling, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. So we fell into our own Foxhole brand as a result of that. But that wasn't our intention initially. Our intention was only to partner with other people who were doing amazing things and creating new pieces. So I want to talk about how you find your vendors and on your website. I mean, you have home decor, you have like gorgeous cutting boards and I've seen the column gowns. They're beautiful. And I think it's important because I think sometimes people associate, you know, a boutique or someone that has a passion project and sustainability as it's going to cost more, but your prices are, there's a huge range. And so it's not like it's, I mean, it's affordable for everyone. It's not like, and I want to encourage listeners to go check it out because there's so many great gift ideas. Like the bags are amazing. Like there's so many cool things on the website. So I think it's important to note that it's not something when you're thinking recycling, when you're thinking upcycling and you're thinking sustainability, it's not making it cost prohibitive. It's actually something that everybody can reach or attain. So I wanted to point that out. So I want to talk about two things before we close out. One is I want to talk about your logo and your branding because I think it is so incredibly cool. Thank you. And I think it's important. I get the question a lot about, you know, naming a business. And when it comes to branding, a name is very important. A logo is very important. A logo is an identifying factor. A logo is not the actual brand. But I want to talk about how you came to that because, I know that Volpi means fox in Italian, and then you combined that with Holt. And so I want you guys to tell a little bit about how you discovered or went through that process of naming yourselves so that it combined both of your names, your heritage and all of that. But obviously we were talking about going back and forth about different names, um, what it could be. And we wanted to, as you say, include both of something from both of us. um, And that was important. And we were working out how we could use our names, but nothing was sort of fitting correctly and then Dale's always had an affinity to foxes because that's her name yes my last fox. name is Volpe and um, so then we were looking up the meaning of my surname we looked it up and it sort of it was coming up as like a wooded area or like a, a fox's den and another word for it was halt and then we were like that's it yeah fox halt yeah it yeah. just it just Katie's, Katie's last name is, is Rowley and we didn't think Fox Rowley sounded as good as Foxhole. basically <laughs> what it came down to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. You there. took that meaning. You took meaning and then, so you're both represented, but yet you didn't have to use your names. Yes. Right. The yeah. idea, and it's, you know, I, think, I think that the whole idea behind Foxhole, if you really wanted to go deeper on it, is that we're looking to protect our planet the same way that a fox protects their den and the same way that we want to protect animals. I think that it does, it happens to flow. I'd like to say that we were on this much deeper level of understanding of that at the time, but I think that we just kind of loved how it sounded and how it kind of also lent itself to our message. Yeah. I think it blends beautifully and I think it's, I just think it's clever, but it's so meaningful. So I love it. Okay. So let's talk about building these relationships and really understanding your vendors and how did you find them and how have you built those relationships so that even the, their products are sustainable, but the relationships that you have with them from around the world are sustainable. I mean, it was a lot of research. I mean, as we mm-hmm. said, you know, it took us a long, we started talking about this three and a half years ago. We almost spent a year just researching brands and we had like a huge Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and we both had like every single brand, we'd made sure that both of us had seen. And then we put the brands in 
order of the ones we wanted most and da, da, da. It, it was like a lot of time and energy was spent into it and then we started reaching out to the ones we, we, that we felt most connected to yeah. and that you know helped to push our message more forward and obviously we hadn't launched so it wasn't that easy we had to really kind of we sent them a brand book and kind of our faces and like please have some faith in us you know we're, we're trying to do good and and you know luckily we found some amazing brands that were willing to come on board before we'd launched and we were able to launch with them and then mm-hmm. since we've launched it's become a bit easier because they've actually got something to see yeah and, uh-huh. well, yes because we're a marketplace so we don't actually hold any wholesale so it was hard to convince you know some people to get on board with a company that one isn't you know, buying any product in advance and two, it really doesn't have any kind of reputation yet. So it was kind of, it was reaching out and finding people who were like-minded and supported our mission and had the same goals as us in mind. And, you know, were on board with the slow fashion movement and doing it correctly. And it was kind of like finding those people and connecting. We did a lot of what we're doing with you right now, which is having, you know, long conversations about what our goals are and what we think is important for the planet. And we lucked out with meeting a lot of incredible people along the way. And, you you know, women, which we, you know, we are became female founder collective members and found, you know, a community through that. And, you know, just, you know, finding people who were like-minded to support and to have supporting us. And then we got lucky enough that once we did launch and started that brands have started contacting us, which obviously has been amazing <laughs> and has taken a little bit of pressure off. And again, just making sure that they are on the same track as us and have the same sustainable, I did that in air quotes, no one can see me, mindset so that we are always moving in a direction to be ethically sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also the products we love. Uh, oh yeah like yeah you know some we're probably our best customer yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah. you order you don't have like you don't have boxes in your house of these items there you order them and there or someone orders them off your website like if I ordered a bag today that bag you would then contact the vendor now would the vendor send it to me or would you send it to me the vendor okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good too. It cuts out the middleman of, of shipping as well. Yeah. Yeah. Everything comes directly from the, the original warehouse. It was important for us sort of, again, with the slow fashion that we weren't buying stuff that wouldn't necessarily be sold and we yeah. weren't producing stuff that we, you know, we would then just have sat on. So it was important for us to, you know, uh, and if you see on our site, we've got quite a few made to order brands as well. So that that's why we decided to go down the dropship route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that because it, you're decreasing waste just by doing yeah. that. Exactly. exactly. You don't have those racks of clothes that you then put 50% off. And if they don't sell 75% off and then they still don't sell. And then what do you do with those clothes? Right. Does that go to Marshall's? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's been the biggest problem, right? I mean, growing up, it was always like, it was century 21, you know, yeah. like that's kind of where you'd always end up. You know, even when I was working in that industry, you know, I worked for BCBG would probably be the biggest component of this. You know, they would end up, we would end up taking, you know, so much of our product that hadn't sold and selling it at Century 21. And I think in my mind, I always was like, then what? Right. So after it's gone through all of that, where does it then go? You know, and it always sat with me. For sure. That feeling of like, uh, something's just just going to be wasted and sit on the planet forever. 
So, well, and then you think of that. My mind always goes to then like the people who have nothing, you know, the people who don't have clothes or they're homeless or, you know, they're living in such poverty and these little girls that go to school and they're made fun of because they don't have clothes, you know, nice clothes or whatever. And I think, and then those things are all just being thrown away. It's such a sin. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really hard. But yeah, there's a whole other conversation that we could start on that about but then the other issue is that we then end up putting bags and bags together of stuff for thrift or for giveaway or for charitable reasons. And we think we're doing the right thing. I mean, we are, you are, I'm not saying to people not to do that, but don't buy things thinking that you're just going to then give them to a charity when you're done with them, because there's, a, I don't know what the percentage is, but there is a large chance that those are still going to end up in the landfill when you're done with them. It takes a lot to get things into the right hands. So still, you know, be mindful of your purchases. purchases. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit. I love that you brought this up because since COVID I have been cleaning out and getting rid of so much stuff that just, you know, with five of us in the house, like we've just, you collect clothes and you collect things and it's not even intentional, but it happens. So when, what do you suggest to people? Like how can people be more mindful and, you know, still have the things they want, but what do we really need at the end of the day? And how do you suggest people start rethinking purchases and rethinking, you know, what they're consuming? It's a hard one because it's definitely something that I think that happens over time. And again, it's educating yourself. And then, you know, I think once you learn more about who's made that dress you bought from a fast fashion brand that you bought for $20, like who has made that? Why is that so cheap? Like there's a reason that's so cheap that someone has, you know, a child has probably made it or if not, someone's being paid 50 cents, you know, a day to make it. So, you know, I think once you start thinking like that, your your clothes become more important to you. And when you and then when you spend more money on an item, you start looking after it and you think about the purchase more as well, because you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that's that's quite a lot of money. Do I really want that? Do I really need it? When am I going to wear it? And it changes your whole perspective and you start thinking of more of a capsule wardrobe and things that you're going to won't go out of fashion. Think It's something that you will have in sort of 10 years time. And I think it's, it's definitely a mindset change that both of us have. I, I feel like actually, like, especially during COVID, besides shopping occasional things from our own site, I feel like I've been much better because of what we're doing and reusing what I already have in my closet and then only purchasing the pieces that I know are going to then stay in my closet for a long time and add to what I already own. And then I don't end up throwing away the old stuff. And then I still get to have newness and, you know, and add some creative fun to my wardrobe and to my home as well. Yeah. But But yeah, and I think it is educating yourself definitely. And there's definitely a, a lean to that anyway, I think about sort of the whole decluttering and having less stuff and it makes for a cleaner lifestyle it's easier to the, who's the lady who does the amazing folds the Marie Kondo ah, yeah. exactly yeah you know I think there is a lean towards that anyway it is an education and especially I think when you're younger I think there's more pressure to be on with the trend. trend on trend yeah. and things and I, that's hard and, and we definitely wanted to make sure we weren't a trend driven site unless we were able to do it through something that was upcycled right <laughs> Yeah. But the idea is to buy something that is going to last and that you can then give to future generations. And with regard to the things you already have in your home, because you were saying, you know, you end up throwing away and blah, 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 you know, swap parties, 
instead of giving them to charities, give them to friends, you know, that way, you know, that it's being used again, rather than, you know, just ending up in a shelf and eventually in a landfill anyway. Those are great ideas. This is such a great conversation. I feel like I could sit and talk to you ladies all day long. (laughs) Thank you. So do you have any like things that you want to specifically tell the listeners, you know, either related to your business or sustainability, anything else that you think would empower them to make those mindful decisions? I think what Dale touched on earlier, definitely the fact that it, you know, you don't need to be perfect from the outset and minor changes to how you, you, you shop and how you live your life all make a difference and sort of not putting too much pressure on yourself. And then like, I remember when we started, I was like, you know, I had plastic toys and things. I was like, you wanted to get rid of all the plastic, but I'm like, but that, that defeats the whole purpose because you're throwing it away. And I've got three sons and, you know, so I still have the horrible plastic toys um, that I had from four years ago, but it's just, it's just about making those small changes, like moving forwards, trying to buy less plastic and more wooden toys and more kind of, you know, toys that would last till they have children. Yeah. But not putting every little bit helps. Yeah. Yeah. I, just spend, yeah. And what Katie was saying before, which is just spend some time learning about what it is you're buying and who you're buying it from. Having that knowledge is such an awakening and it changes how you shop forever. Yeah, -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Over the past several years, I've really paid attention to things that were made in China, you know, trying to support more U.S. businesses and small businesses and local businesses. And it is amazing. It's actually really sad when you pick things up and look at where they're made, how many things are not made here. And you have no idea what is in them or, you know, even things we use in our kitchens on a daily basis that we're cooking with. It's, you know, it's kind of scary. Okay. So do you have, I don't know, this might be putting you on the spot, but do you have a favorite vendor? Like, is there someone from (laughs) like a specific country or like, you know, has, have there been vendors that you've just really formulated a bond with those relationships are, you know, going to last forever? I, I mean, quite a few of them. Yeah. Um, great. I, yeah. All, I mean, we really, honestly. we talked to a lot of people. I would say that like one of the first people that we were so excited to have with us on the site and that we talked to right from the beginning. And when she came on board as her and her husband, when they came on board, we were both like, oh my God, how is this happening? And that's Sam Roche. They are like just beautifully made sustainable clothing out of LA. She's London born, UK born. And I think her husband is as well. But her name is Sue. She's awesome. And I would say that we've developed a really nice rapport with them. And um, I mean, we were stalking them for a long time. About about 18 months before we got Yes. Um, like I've been stalking you guys for the past three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> but they've been like so supportive um, of us since the inception. And I think that they kind of gave us a lot of confidence to, you know, go in the beginning. They like just have been supportive and loved our idea from the onset. And I would say that my second favorite who's like kind of recent is a made to order collection called best at noir. Um, so she is a community of single parent moms and the community works for itself and sustains itself. So she is kind of incredible. Her name is Danny. She basically supports this community and they um, make all of the clothing, sell all the clothing and all the profits go back into their community for the women and the children. A lot of them escaped, you know, sex slavery, horrible domestic violence. And it's like, 
she's incredible and the brand what is incredible doing, yeah. and what she's doing is amazing and the clothing is beautiful and it's really slow fashion because it's made, you know, it's made to order. She's very specific with your sizing. She takes it very seriously. She puts a lot of care into everything. And so does the community and it shows in their product. And where are they located? What country? Macedonia. Macedonia. I love stories like that. Yeah. And the, the fact well, that she's like that, I mean, every single brand that we have has, has a, a great story. backstory. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Do you have the stories? I didn't see them. Do you have the stories on your website? We have little bios of each. Little yeah. bios, yeah. Um, but we are planning, well, we have with some of them started interviewing them and doing a, like a, a bigger piece about each of our Yeah. Brands. I mean, so my goodness, if you have a blog on your, I can't remember. I'm, it's been a couple of days since I was on the website, but like for a blog, those stories would be so empowering. And yeah. I, I think they would help sell because people want to support other women like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually really funny that you're saying that because I think one of the other big takeaways and one of the things that we're learning is that we are living in a time where people really, really are embracing the sense of community. People want to know each connect. other. They want to connect. Mm-hmm. They want to see our faces. They want to, you know, people aren't just looking to support a random, you know, marketplace or brand mm-hmm. or whatever. They really want to connect with who they're buying from and who's making their clothing and, you know, hold people accountable. And, you know, we're kind of, we're part of that movement and learning about that as we go. And yeah, we've realized we need to be more, more present on our social media. Both of us are a little bit camera shy, but we've realized it's, it's important. And we were discussing this morning, strangely, that we want to start um, interviewing our brands on our social media and each other (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and putting it on our socials so that, you know, people can meet the brands and and meet us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be so powerful. It would do, oh, I mean, I, so, you know, from a branding perspective, I constantly see that like your faces should be front and center on your website at a minimum on with your bio on your about page or, you know, your stories on your about page. Like you have to be front and center so that people can really get to know you and trust you too, you know, and then you're recognizable across all these platforms. It's funny because as a podcast host, a lot of times, a lot of the people that I interview they don't have their pictures on. So I have no idea, you know, if they don't have a profile picture and, or, you know, sometimes they don't have pictures, they only have memes or something on social media. And I'm like, no, wait a minute, they're a big brand with a lot of followers, but who the heck are they? Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> you know, so it is really important. And I, I think you would sell more. Yeah, absolutely. No, because people want to connect. They want those relationships. I mean, the relationships are what are going to build the trust. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, you guys, this has been a fabulous conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Will you please just tell the audience real quickly how they can connect with you, your website, your social media, and I will have all of that information in the show notes as well, but go ahead and tell them. So um, we're fox-holt.com. We are at fox underscore Holt on Instagram. You can email us at info at fox-holt.com and... I think that's it. (laughs) That's how you can get us. Um, And we, you know, we welcome any feedback and, you know, we love to talk to all new vendors and all of our customers. So we are always available and we'd love to hear from anyone, everyone, (laughs) the world, the world. Yeah. world. Well, thank you. This was just, this was fabulous. I feel so happy. So full of joy after talking to you and all the good that you're doing. So thank you. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. It's been fun. Thank you for having us. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful to have you here with me. 
If you enjoyed the episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? It would mean the world to me. Ratings and reviews are what give life to podcasts and help others find us. And it truly warms my heart to read them. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. Before you go, have we connected on Instagram yet? Find me at the Robin Graham. I'd love to connect with my listeners and learn more about you too. So take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your stories so that I can find you and know that you've listened. You can also find me on Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies and to be part of a community of like-minded people, join the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are live every week with incredible trainings to help you build a solid foundation for your brand and business. Until next time, remember to smile.